from the EBKV studios in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, you're listening to The Angry and Negative Show on Brotherly Pod with your hosts, Angry Jim and Negative Dan. Alright everybody, welcome to The Angry and Negative Show on Brotherly it is October 23rd, 2019, and today's a bit of a different show here. Uh, Jim is here as always. Say hi, Jim. Hey, guys. And uh, we have some friends on today. Uh, from Usually, he's on uh, BPW Radio on Tuesdays, but he's joining us on Wednesday this week. Bobby Thomas is here. Bobby, how you doing? Good. How are you? How are you? I, I'm doing good. It's, 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 a, it's a good day. And uh, our guest today, he writes for a site that I'm not going to say the name of on my program, but he is half of the Getting Bullied podcast. Dan Silver's here. Dan, how, what's up? Ah, nothing, man. Everything's good. Thanks for having me on tonight. Well, before we get into anything, I, I do want to say I have a tremendous amount of respect for the three people I'm sharing this show with today. Jim and I have been doing shows together for a year. Bobby's probably my longest follow on Flyers Twitter. Dan and I worked together for quite a few years, and he's the last person from that era of my life that I still have any respect for. But we all have a bit of a different opinion on some things, and that's what is leading to tonight's show, is some Twitter beefs. And uh, <laughs> I thought we were going to just discuss, you know, opinions and whatnot. I, I didn't know. Is this a whole beef show? You know, an angry, negative, and beef show. <laughs> let's, let's, That's good. That's let's real good. Let's see where this goes here. There was a tweet as I frantically searched for it. Uh, <laughs> I had it up and then closed the tab like a fucking idiot. Ah, here we go. Bobby tweeted a couple days ago, the Flyers are losing because Chris, Chris Stewart fought once, and Robert Haig, who is a defenseman, hasn't been scored on once this season and isn't joining enough offense. Even though he plays defense, all right, got it. Mr. Dan Silver responded, posts like these are my biggest annoyance on Flyers Twitter. Literally no one is saying that it's means to the Flyers Twitter losing is due to either Chris Stewart or Robert Haig. It's just putting words in people's mouths for the sake of your ill-guided sarcasm. Now, that oh. ignited a, a back and forth that went for quite some time. But uh, uh-huh. that's kind of the start of it. Uh, you know, Dan, you have anything to say about this? Yeah, you know, first, what I would say is that I was kind of in a in a... My mood at that point was that, you know, my one of my biggest things on Twitter is I feel like a lot of the time people are putting words in other people's mouths. So like so like, for example, I'll tweet something like I did during the game against Dallas, basically saying that I didn't think that Chris Stewart getting into a fight had anything to didn't turn the momentum of the game. Right. Because I've got to listen to Jim Jackson and Keith Jones talk about, oh, this is a fight. This is going to change the momentum of the game. This is great. And then 20 seconds later, the building sounds like a mausoleum again, which it does way too often. And the team's still playing like crap. So, you know, I'll tweet something like that. And then I feel that the result is that people think that I think that Chris Stewart's one of the reasons that they're losing, where really all I'm I'm just expressing one opinion. And my opinion there was that Chris Stewart, despite didn't do much to change the game. It's the same thing with Robert Hag. Hey, like I don't. I think Phil Myers would be better in the lineup than Robert Haig. I think Phil Myers is more talented than Robert Haig. That, and I'll express that opinion, right? But that doesn't mean that I think that Robert Haig is a reason that they lose games. So 
So this is more like a general issue that I have sometimes with some tweets that people have. And it's not just Bobby. It's it's this is just one of my general annoyances. Sometimes I feel like the so when I saw Bobby's tweet, it kind of like, you know, this is why I reacted that way. However, I will say this. I violated one of the things I try not to do because I get annoyed if if I tweet something, I would much rather that somebody respond to it and disagree with me as opposed to retweeting it and trying to make me look like an ass. So for that, I will definitely apologize to Bobby because I you know what? I, I really shouldn't have done that. And I've had good conversations with him before and I've you know been on Long Island for a while. He's there now. So absolutely. I should not have done taken that tact and retweeted it. I should have responded and made my opinion pretty clear, you know, in that thread. And maybe we we still would have had a back and forth where he would have gotten angry and, you know, we would have gone back and forth. But I certainly didn't handle it in a way that I like people to handle things with me. So, you know, for that, I apologize to Bobby. I, yeah, I mean, I definitely respect that. And like I said, I would I would have had no problem arguing with you on Twitter and my phone like that's what I do you know but yep. uh, I definitely, I definitely uh, you know I appreciate you saying that and I understand sometimes people tweet shit it happens you know what I was having a tough day with my boss too but you know what there's some things systematically that you know me and you disagree with and, I, and I'm going to bring up the fact that you said you know the, the crowd was dead I mean I guess that is true but fights like that are, are more for the team to get the team going and you know for every time that we say that okay yeah chris stewart fought and the flyers didn't do shit after well you know what dallas did they got something from that fight as well just because we were on the losing end of it doesn't mean that every time somebody fights that team doesn't respond positively you know what i mean because dallas lost dallas won oh look i hear you but chris stewart won the fight so theoretically, shouldn't the Flyers have gotten a lift out of it? It's it's not it's you see, but fighting in hockey in that way is not really about who wins the fight. Sometimes, it's it's just the fact that you're so pissed off that what of of what's going on on the ice that you're going to do something about it. And even if you get your face punched in, the boys on the bench will go, "Oh shit, you know, so and so is ready to go." Hey, asshole, let's fucking pick it up here. I guess my point is I didn't see any noticeable change in the play from either team after that fight. I thought both teams, I, I, I didn't, I didn't, 20 seconds after that fight, I didn't see anything that was different. I mean, I didn't think the Flyers played all that well in that game. And, oh, no, they didn't. and, and I thought, you know, they lost because Carter Hart let in a couple bad goals. And I thought that Dallas, despite being outshot, had more dangerous scoring opportunities. So I guess I didn't really I just didn't think that the fight changed much of the game. And I wasn't trying to make a big deal of it. I'm just watching the game and I'm listening to the announcers talk about how this fight's going to change the game and I didn't think it did. So I just wanted to put that opinion out there. Oh you know? no, I hear that. I mean sometimes it does stuff. You know what I mean? You can't really you can't it, just it yes. Just, yeah, just I agree. I agree that sometimes a fight can change <laughs> Yeah, sometimes a fight can change the tone of a game, but I didn't think that that game in that point necessarily needed it. Like, I'm thinking like, okay, there's a playoff game where you come out and the other team's beating the shit out of you with yeah. clean body checks. You yeah, drop the gloves, your guy beats their ass, and all of a sudden 
things change. I just didn't yeah. think in that game that like it. I didn't mm -hmm. think in that game it had any impact. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, yeah. You can look back at the Talbot series, the two thousand and was that nine series where we were up, I think three or four nothing, and yeah, fucking Danny Carcillo gets into a fight, and the fucking Penguins steamroll us after that. Exactly. 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 Sometimes you know you have to pick your spots, but you can't just say. You know what I mean? I, and it's not just you. The, the, the tweet that I composed wasn't just because, you know, you. I, I follow oh, I know, I know. Uh, people. And, you know, like, it's, there's just such an arrogance to a lot of people's opinions on the game now. Like, oh, Chris Stewart. Like, you know, that guy sucks. He fights. Did nothing. Chris Stewart is not Tom Sestito. Oh, God. And I... And I feel like a, a lot of people are getting that blurred. I mean, Chris Stewart has, you know, 322 points in 655 games. He has more points in JVR right now. I think about him. I think about it the same way I think about Haig. Though, like, I'm not, I'm not one of these people tweeting, hey, I can't stand Chris Stewart. They're losing because of Chris Stewart. I just kind of ignore the fact that he's out there. It's the same thing with Robert Haig. Like, there's other guys I think would be better in those spots, but I don't think they're costing the team the game. So I can only speak for myself. You know what yeah. I mean? I don't, I don't have anything against Chris Stewart. I don't really care that he's playing seven minutes a game on the fourth line, just like I don't care that Robert Haig's playing 14 minutes a game and the third-pairing defenseman. If you ask me, I think there's guys that you know would be better in those spots, but it's I don't really care all that. Yeah, well, I mean, and again, it wasn't just because of, you know, your timeline. It's just because people are just like, oh, here we go again. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, but it's, I see it. That's not, that's not the problem. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's, you know, uh, you know, and Farabee coming up was great. But, you know, I was talking more lines, you know, when I was arguing Farabee being down in the minors and stuff, I thought that, that people were like jockeying for him to be on a fourth line role. And I'm like, that's not no, really that's silly. Well, you know what? We're used to Haxtell. So, you know what I mean? We're used to Haxtell using guys in the fourth line, limited role, and then saying, oh, you didn't do anything, so now you're going to go hang out in the press box with, you know, Morin. Sorry, no offense, Dan. <laughs> wow. Wow. Uh, now the beef's not with me. Now now Dan's got the beef with you. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> he just weren't even talking about Sam Moran, and he just listen, brings him into it like that. Listen, I order my Chinese with extra beef, boys, so... <laughs> And less broccoli. Yeah. Sam Moran in the press box is a goddamn tragedy at the moment. But, you <laughs> know, broccoli. as far as Dan goes, I think he's one of the more rational people. But there are people. The first thing I woke up to on Sunday morning, I was going to do a show that afternoon. The first thing I woke up to on Twitter was somebody saying he pulled up a bunch of uh, Chris Stewart stats from the night before in the Dallas game, I guess it would have been. Uh, like... It, going to attack Chris Stewart right away after the game versus blaming the whole team. And you brought something about the fight on Twitter, Dan. I don't have the tweet in front of me, but, you know, something about energizing the crowd. That was the biggest pop of the night in that building. And the reason the building was dead had nothing to do with that fight or anything about it. It's because the fucking game sucked. Yeah, I mean, if the boys respond there and, you know, they win a face-off, dump it in, there's, three big, there's a big hit after that, then it's like, you know... Keeps setting it. One thing sets off the other thing, but they just they laid down. They didn't do anything. Just I don't know. They they need to be a more complete team, and it's been happening since the start of the season when Bunham and Torinsky got up. People lost their shit that those two made the team. 
after years of wanting prospects up and years of wanting this, finally two prospects make and all of a sudden, well, we don't want these ones. We want the other ones. You know, and I believe, Dan, you called it a mistake. that Tori It was Stan a mistake. Was it was not a mistake. It was a mistake. Dude, Carson Twarenski and Connor Bunneman are borderline NHL players. Like, basically what happened was those guys came in and they had a really good camp. And Joel Farabee hit three posts. If Joel Farabee's shots had literally been six inches to the left and gone in the net, he would have been starting the season on the third line instead of Carson Torensky. Like, that's the reality. And you saw it after six games. Connor Bunneman is not an NHL player at this point in his career. Carson Torensky might be, but he's certainly not a third liner. So they bring up Joel Farabee after six games. He was much better than either of those guys in his one game. Like, it, it was a mistake. Like... Does, does, doesn't Twainsky have a goal? Yes. You know, I, I understand Farabee's fantastic and he hit post, but you know what I mean? If, if, if the queen had balls, she'd be king. You guys talk about, like, analytics, <laughs> though, and, like, blasting analytics. Like, you, so I assume you want to use your eyes. If you guys, if your eyes are telling you that Twarensky and Bunneman are better hockey players than Joel Farabee, no matter what the stats say, that's ridiculous. Like, yes, but yeah, watch but the game. Okay, okay. Yes. I, I understand where you're coming from that. But at the time, it does not hurt Joel Farabee to go down and get five games under his belt, four games, whatever it was with the Phantoms, and let Torinsky and Bunneman hold down the fourth line in the meantime. Torinsky being See, down there did not hurt him. I'm talking about the fourth him. line. I'm but talking I'm, about the but, third but the line because Torinsky was on the third line. I understand that, but I uh, if if we're talking about the fourth line, then I'd rather have Torensky. I'm not talking about the fourth line. I'm talking about the third line. They had Torensky and Pitlick. And Torensky was there because Patrick was hurt. Okay, fine. But what I'm saying is, we're I'm talking about the third line. Like Torensky and Pitlick were the two guys on the third line. My point is that Joel Farabee should have been on the third line instead of those guys. It doesn't look, and this doesn't have an impact on Joel Farabee's career. Like, it doesn't matter either way or the other. My whole point is that I want the Philadelphia Flyers to put the best possible ice hockey team out on the ice every night. And having Joel yeah. Farabee on the third line instead of Pitlick or Torinsky would have I helped just, achieve that goal. Yes, yes, but here's the thing. There's there's the, the best players and the right players. And I understand that yes. Farabee is a very, very talented player, but Pitlick is a guy that has been in the actual NHL. Now, I have the highest hopes for Farabee. I think he could be great. I think he could be a 28-goal guy. I think, he, I think he could be really, really a big part of the team's future. But he's never played in the NHL before. Pitlick has played in the NHL. The National Hockey League, the best league, the, the league where people that go and score 120 points in the OHL never play in. He's been in the league. Pitlick that- stinks. If you were the Maple Leafs GM, like when Austin Matthews was 18, would you be like, we've got to have shitbag number one on the team because he's played in the NHL instead of Austin Matthews? That's not how it works. But he's not Austin Matthews. Okay, but there's a sliding scale. You can take it anywhere you want. Like Travis Konechny, when he made the NHL roster with the Flyers, like would you have rather had some other shitbag on the third line or Travis (laughs) Konechny? I'm saying shitbag. It's going to get me every time. No, but, like, that's the point. Like, your argument is, like, it doesn't make any sense. Farabee's more talented than Pitlick. It took them six games to figure it out. Like, fuck. I've cursed on this show more than in, like, this is great, by the way. Like, like get, 
getting bullied we're like you know pretty cordial and all that this is no this is fantastic no like, this is the angry and negative man. show we're not cordial my here. mom's gonna love listening to this Let it the hell out, man. <laughs> but like i don't i don't i Faraby should have been on the third line to start the season like instead of pitlick pitlick is terrible i'm sorry that is you know what i can kind of get on board with the third line thing but my my biggest beefs were about the people talking about the fourth line spot i agree I, that's fine i didn't want joel Ferry to make the team as a fourth line player but he's on the third line now and vino put him on the top power play unit like how great is that dave haxtell well, maybe maybe Faraby would not have gotten those opportunities had he not been with the phantoms and exploded down there Maybe he would no, have been just a third, fourth line guy with no power play I don't, time. I don't agree with that. But Dave Haxtell was probably like drank like battery acid when he saw that like Vino put Faraby on the top power play unit. Oh yeah, he probably did not like that at one bit. Do you guys think that you know since Boneman and Torinsky came out and had pretty like pretty solid camps that Vino was like, hey, you know what? They came out, they you know they battled, they proved that you know they they had a better camp than most guys. Let's reward them with making the roster, like like kind of setting an example. Said, that, I believe he said that during the, uh, the uh, breaking ice or whatever it is, the uh, behind the glass, whatever fuck they were doing on NHL Network. I believe he said something very similar to that, that those two had a good camp and they earned a chance at the NHL. Yeah, That's, and when yeah. they got there, they kind of proved that maybe they didn't belong, but they had That's, a great camp and they made the team and now they're not there anymore. That's absolutely part of it. A big part of it, right, is the whole thing is like you've got to like, you know, you – you play like that in a compressed period of time and Bonneman worked so hard in the off season to like improve his speed. And you know what? These guys deserve to be on the team. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to now make a comparison that I would probably not make on an, on another show or like out on Twitter or whatever, but like, just bear with me just for like a minute. Okay. okay? You're a general of some war, <laughs> right? And you're fucking literally your job depends on winning this war. There's lives depending on you. So you have a little camp beforehand that's like, okay, who am I gonna send into war to win this fucking war, right? And you've got these two guys who are basically like, most of the time and their track record says, you know what, they can't do it. Like, they're not gonna be able to do it. But little Jimmy put in all this work in the what? off season. And, he, and now he can like kind of hold his rifle upright and he really worked hard. And you know what? We're gonna, gosh darn it, this other guy's better, but we're gonna send little Jimmy out there for the first five forays, you know, just because. Now all of a sudden, little Jimmy's dead and you've lost the war. Like as a general, as a coach, you need to be able to like make these decisions. This guy's better than this guy, even though the other guy had like, two weeks where he like was somewhat capable let me just say first that jimmy's not little and i can hold my rifle up just <laughs> I'm fine not talk, i'm not talking <laughs> whatever no, okay, but here's 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 the thing with that is the fact that joel farabee has never really played in the nhl before okay i'm not talking about pitlick He's never played in the NHL. He's never played against this competition before. So he can, you know, and this is not him. He's very good. He's like, but there are there are people that have been drafted in the top ten that have played five games in the NHL. It doesn't work out. He can make all he can look amazing in practice. He can snap it around. He can shoot it. Like he can look amazing. And you go, that guy's skill is better than that guy's skill. A hundred percent. That's what we got. But when you get into the game situation and you're playing against NHL caliber players, I thought Chorinsky played just as good, if not better than him, in those games. Now, 
Farabee does not have the pedigree behind him to say, okay, well, you know what? Little Jimmy had a good day. Uh, you know what I mean? But Farabee can do this at this level. We don't know if he can do it, do it at this level. I'm not saying he can't, but we don't know that. We don't have that information yet. But Torrenti didn't have any NHL games either, or Bonneman. Well, that's the point. Yeah, that's that's my point, the fact that Tawinski... Any one of them could have been good or bad at the NHL level. Well... Tawinski slightly outplayed Farabee at camp in terms of in-game situations. He scored more than him. I don't think he outplayed him. Listen, I have a totally different definition. You put the puck in the net, I don't give a shit what you do. Yes. If, if I can give an opinion here, guys, from what it looks like to me with Elaine Vigneault is he's going to be a little bit harder on his guys that are supposed to be good. I mean, you're seeing it with the top line guys. They're not performing, and he's calling them out, kind of calling them out, you know. Um, so I, I think with Farabee, he knows that he's going to be on the team. He knows he's going to be here eventually at some point. So uh, he didn't. maybe he didn't clearly beat out Torensky or Bonneman, whoever, and he said, okay, well, I'll go put him down for a little bit. He's going to be up sooner or later, no doubt, and ended up being sooner. Does that make sense? Uh, listen, I totally understand why they did it. I just disagree with it. Yeah. I totally understand it, but I will stand by my statement that it was a mistake because I firmly believe that if Joel Farabee had been in the lineup for the first six games, one of those losses, who knows? Maybe it's not the difference, but if you look at the team's Percent chances to win with him in the lineup and without, I think it goes up maybe though? like. What, what does that mean, though? What do you mean, what does it mean? His perc- How does him being in the lineup affect the percentage of a win? Because they're better with him in the lineup. I don't know. Do, I don't, I don't wait, understand. wait, but how do you know that? The guy's never played a full NHL season. Because I've watched him play hockey for the last number of years. Just like okay, any, okay, any and, other. It's the same way you look at any other. It's the same way you look at any other prospect. Like, no, again. I understand that, but there was a lot of people that watched Alexander Dable play and thought that he was going to be the franchise. I don't give a shit about Alexander <laughs> Dable. Sestito and Dague in, in the same show, baby. I don't care. I'm making my. I'm. I'm telling you my opinion based on what I've seen. And and what I'm and what I'm saying is based off of what I've seen from Farabee, is that all his great highlights that everybody plastered over Twitter last season don't mean a fucking thing. But you could say that about anyone. You could say it about any fucking. You could say it about John Tavares' exactly. first year. Anybody. Exactly. Exactly. So the sample size that we saw in camp for two or three weeks, Terwinski outplayed him slightly. I don't so- agree. Would anybody be so mad about the bottom six if the top six was doing their job and putting pucks in the net? Would there be this much this heat another, on Stewart this is and Terwinski? Another issue. Another issue I have. Can we not talk about top six and bottom six? Like this team to succeed, you need top nine. And bottom three shit bags, and that's for that's, <laughs> that's for Bobby right there. But like this team, this team should have this team should have nine really good scoring forwards. Like we we, it's a bottom three. No, that's true, I think. But they don't. Yeah, they do. They can't put the puck in the net. No one on this team can. Well, no. Well, actually, that's the I mean, problem. He scored a lot of goals. Uh, it's only the top line with Giroux that can't score. Well, that's because we don't have a sniper. Oh, yeah. Boy. It's just, it, there's so much heat on guys, and I think that's why people hate Stewart as much, because he's in the lineup, whereas the top guys aren't getting it done, so naturally, the blame's going to go right to Chris Stewart just because the guy fucking exists. It has nothing Which, to do with on, him I, himself. I, I don't understand this, because the guy has only had over 100 penalty minutes once in his career. Once. 
He is, you and don't actually it, think he's a talented offensive player at this point in his career. Here's the thing. I don't even like Chris Stewart. I never have. But I have to defend this sh- shitbag, as we've been calling him, because people are shitting on him for no fucking reason. There's a reason. If you're going to get heated at a player for some reason, fine. But if you're taking shit out on Chris Stewart just for the sake of taking it out on Chris Stewart, then it's not worth it. Dumping the rest of the team's luggage on his is not his problem. He's got 322 and 655 in the motherfucking NHL, the National Fucking Hockey League. Do you have any idea? Do you want to know his stats from the British Hockey League last year? Like, please, please. I know what they are. Wait, okay, so last year with the fucking nodding. Last year with the Nottingham Panthers, the Nottingham Panthers of the shitbag UK Hockey League, he had 13 points in 23. First of all, everybody in that UK league is a motherfucking stud. <laughs> okay, that's first of all. Second of all, he turned down a KHL deal because he had personal things going on, and his fucking head was probably not in the right fucking place. If you look so at Tim Thomas, where he was all over the place, he came back to the NHL and he fucking won a cup. I'm not Sounds saying like- he's going to be at that level, but that does not mean because one bad year where his life was a fucking mess. Hey, look, if Chris Stewart wins a Stanley Cup, I think we're all going to be pretty happy. Oh, yeah. He sounded like Shane Goss' bear for a second with all those excuses. That guy's a fucking nightmare. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have something to say, Dan? (laughs) Oh, one of the things I love is that I keep seeing people on Twitter talk about how Robert Haig is really good because the Flyers have only given up zero goals, even strength, when he's been on the ice. Yeah. Well, Shane Gosses Bears. Shane Gosses Bears played a lot more minutes. Do you know how many goals they've scored, even strength against him when he's been on the ice? How many? Two. What's the difference? Two is more than zero. Well, okay. okay, I'll break this. I'll break this one down because number one, Hag <laughs> is paid to play defensive defense. Yes. Now, don't don't jump on me here yet. Okay, he's paid to play defensive defense. He's paid to be in the corners, in front of the net, whatever have you. No matter what you do in hockey, you're not going to spend the whole time in the offensive zone having shot attempts and keeping great Fenwick fucking stats. It's not going to happen. You're going to have to play defense at one point. Shane Gossesphere is paid to be a dynamic, dynamic, offensive scoring threat, and he has not done that. So that is why the pressure is on him, and it's not on Higg. Higg's doing his job. It's like uh, it's like if you're building a bridge, right, and the uh, – my job was to make sure I paved the fucking road, and I did that. You're not going to yell at me for not hanging the cables, right? Because my job was to pave the road. Hag's hey, doing his job. Ghost isn't. Dan? Yes. What can, what, uh, how long into the show are we? Uh, 26 minutes. Okay, so mark this down. 26 minutes. Me, Dan, is about to make the the first advanced statistics comment of the night, so I hope you guys are ready for this. But Shane Shane Gostisbehere, among all defensemen in the NHL, has the second best horsey percentage. In- oh, thank oh, the Lord Almighty God. above! Woohoo! Congratulations, Shane! You hit the glass. <laughs> That's all that fucking means. Horsey is the biggest bullshit on the entire hockey community. <laughs> It's the biggest fucking facade. I can sit on the wall and shoot the puck into people's fucking shin guards for two minutes, and I got phenomenal fucking courses. I didn't do shit. So you like the stat? Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. 
Wait, what, was the, the, what was the number? Because I missed the number. Uh, Shane Gossespierre has the second best Corsi among all NHL defensemen this season, 61.3. Okay. Hey, you guys want to know who had the best Corsi in the 2016 season with about 40 games played? Who's that? Chris Stewart. Sure. Nick Shore. Oh, Nick Shore. Oh, God. Flyers legend Nick Shore. Flyers legend who has played in 244 games and only has 54 points. But we would be sucking his dick if he played on our team while Chris Stewart has 322 points. It's like the people Incred- who wanted Colin Miller all summer long. Those people are fucking psychos. Like, this is fucking insane for me. That's insane. The fact that Shane Gossesfair has played terribly. He's lost the puck on the blue line. He has been pretty much non-existent on the power play, but yet we are going to look at a stat, say he's the second best, and be okay with him right now. Are you okay with his game right now? I'm not. Just to be clear, I don't think that he's a particularly good start to the season. I'm just throwing that stat out there to kind of like drive you guys crazy. But Mission I still think that I, I think that he's going to end up having a, a decent season. I mean, the power play is going to get going, and he's a I still, I still have belief in Shane Gostisbehere's skill as an NHL defenseman. So I'm not, I'm not all that concerned about him. He looks like he's got the yips right now. He is. He gets in his own head a lot. He's got the yips right now. He looked like Provorov last season. How do you guys think Provorov's looked this season? Fucking fantastic. Much better. Uh, I don't better, know if he's better, fucking fantastic, yeah. but he's much better. Much better. The are offense we, we, seems to be there a little bit more often than it than it was last year. He doesn't look. He last year this time he he looked kind of lost. You know, everyone was like, "Where's Provorov? What's he doing? Who is this guy?" This mm-hmm. year, it's he seems to be more of himself. He's playing more freely. He seems like he's playing more more his more his game. Well, that's what I'm seeing out of uh, Gossesbury. He just kind of has that deer in the headlights look when he's getting the puck lately. And uh, I don't know if it's the the surgeries that he's been through, but he looks like he's lost that half a step that he had to, like, make a quick escape or, you know what I mean, get across the blue line with the puck. He's just – he doesn't seem as dynamic right now. Could it could it be that he's still trying to figure out his role in the system? Is that possible? Because he doesn't look – he doesn't look sure of himself. At least I don't think. Well, I mean, he's doing great. He's second in the league, of course. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know about you guys. I, I was – I'm not the biggest Ghost fan. I was pulling for him for this year. I know we're only seven games in, so it's it's pretty, you know, quick to say it was. I still am. I'm still hoping that he finds his offensive game. Um, but from what I've seen now, it just uh, he doesn't look like the same player offensively. It looks like, you know, the league does have they have him figured out. They know he's got that bomb shot on the power play. Uh, I don't see him. I don't see him moving the puck the same way either. Like uh, it's there's just something different than what. We saw from him two years ago. I don't know if there's another injury or if there's another story or something, but it's not the same ghost that we saw two years ago now. And I just don't, maybe this is what he is. I don't know. I mean, I agree. I, I just, it looks like his hands and his feet aren't moving together. And that happens when you're playing. Sometimes your hands aren't there and your feet are. And other times, you know, you go, it, it, he looks like he's, he's in his own head. Dan's right there. I, I would definitely say he definitely looks like he's in his own head right now. He was so good in the preseason. I mean, he he really he was making all kinds of great moves at his own blue line, at the other team's blue line. I mean, he 
he looked – I really honestly watching him in the preseason, he looked like he was going to have a breakout year. And I don't know, maybe he's just so streaky and he played so well then and now he's in a little funk and he's going to come out of it. I don't know. I just – he has too much talent for me to – I still think having Giroux on the right side of the power play is really screwing up that top power play unit. Which that has been of- probably my biggest complaint of the season thus far. Why is Giroux on the right side? They tried that with last year with Scott Gordon. It didn't work, so they're going to try it again this year. It didn't work just to simply try and get Voracek and JVR going, which hasn't worked, by the way. Why would you get yeah. rid of the one thing that has worked well on the power play for years? It's the only thing that happens is Drew's one-timer, and they took that away. Yeah, but, I mean, I, I, I definitely understand that, but JVR not scoring is a fucking anomaly right now. Like the guy It's an atrocity is what it is. It's ridiculous because he's made that patented move running almost when they shift to an overload coming in front of the net and he's hit the pipe like fucking four times. So, you know, you, those, those couple goals go in and then, then the power play looks, you know, pretty good. I do like Giroux in his one timer spot. He does score a lot of goals there, but a lot of times it becomes a little bit predictive. I I'd like him to be there, you know, for the most part, but maybe switch it up a little bit. Cause sometimes I do feel like they are very predictive. Like, especially when Vortrek has the pockets, like he's going to pass to Giroux. We know he's going to pass to Giroux. Everyone knows he's going to pass to Giroux. But like I said, I'd rather him be in his one-time spot just for now. Let me ask you this about this JVR patented move that where I was talking about. When he gets the puck on his forehand and then he puts it between his legs and then he tries to go top shelf. Like at some point, doesn't everybody know that's what the that's what he's trying to do? Like the whole reason Giroux's on the right side theoretically is so he can give it to JVR to do that. Like isn't doesn't that like telegraph it? Don't goalies yeah. know this is coming? Well, first of all, first of all, I don't think he's doing it in between his legs every time. Um I and I wouldn't say it's like a patented JVR move. It's more like a patented like uh, power forward move and, and a couple times that he's pulled it off he's shot short side and he's hit posts where there is some light there um but i mean that's something that that you do it once or twice during the game you do it once in the game and then they catch on to it but you know these guys are pros jvr could probably figure out that they're going to know that so it, what it, what that'll do is if you see that being set up the defenseman will actually slide to that strong side post and then you have backdoor options off of jvr and we've seen that play uh we've seen that play a lot from them so They'll go in for Van Riemsdyk. Uh, I'm hoping he has a big year, but a part of the power play being so bad right now is the fact that he hasn't finished. All right. What about uh, Brian Elliott starting over Carter Hart? What do you make of that? I mean, I I don't know if I'm. I, this is the one thing that I kind of like, and it's early in the season, but this is the one thing that I'm kind of been gloating about a little bit is that all off season, I feel like I was like one of the only people and I was adamant about it. I told anyone who would listen to me that Brian Elliott was going to have a better season than Talbot. And this was before the Flyers signed any of them. I was so fucking annoyed every time I saw people say Brian Elliott's injury prone. The guy had been completely healthy. Then he had one injury, which Ron Hextall totally fucked up by making him come back early for the playoffs. And then he had another surgery. And then they made him come back early before the season last year. Like, he's not injury prone. He's old, so maybe he'll have more injuries. But he's not injury prone. And he's a better goalie than Talbot. So after they signed him, 
And I asked people to put out their like their most bold flyers prediction. Mine was that Brian Elliott was going to save the season because Carter Hart's going to have the inevitable sophomore slump and Elliott's going to come in and play well. And so far, that prediction is not looking that bad. I get, I get on board with that. Elliott has looked pretty good and solid. Um, and I have no problem starting tomorrow at all. I, I, I was the two best free agent options that the Flyers could have had were one of Talbot or Elliot that were in their price range, and Elliot can hold down the fort. That was never a concern of mine. I think he's going to play well enough to give them a chance, but the injuries do happen. I, I don't think he's injury prone. He's not a fucking Michael Newirth, you know. But he is 34, and he's had three major injuries over the last couple of years. Even if it's just from one injury to start. That's not good when you get that old. And if he's going to be playing a lot this season, he is going to wear and tear. And, you know, he's, he may not be injury prone, but he does have that history now. And I, I'm sure he's healthy. I'm sure he's doing good. And he looked acrobatic as hell last night or two nights ago, whenever it was. But, you know, it's still kind of on my mind that he does have those injuries in tow now. Can he hang on for a full season? Yeah, I have, I have those same concerns as well. I mean... He wasn't injury-prone until he got to the Flyers, and you could say that since he's been with the Flyers, you know, I think the past two seasons he's gotten hurt. And then, you know, we've had Michael Neuvert for however many years, and it's kind of like, damn, here we go again with another guy, right? I mean, what's he, 32, 33 years old, Brian Elliott? 34. 34, okay, so he's up there. I mean, let's say Hart does struggle, and they have an even split, 41-41. I'm not sure I trust Brian Elliott for 41 games to stay healthy, to be honest. I mean, and then, uh, you know, if he does get hurt, you know, the, the guys that are down with the Phantoms, I I definitely don't trust. Oh, and God, no. Alex Lyon. And so maybe that fueled my anxiety a little bit more there, but I don't know. He looks okay so far. I mean, he, I mean he's – go ahead. No, oh, no, sorry. I was just going to say, I think the problem with Elliott is that I think it's his face, okay? Now, hold on. I can't wait to hear where this is going. He's 34 years old, but for some reason, he's 34. He looks like he's going on 52. I said this on Getting Bullied last night. We we were talking about, Mark and I were talking about Brian Elliott, and I looked at him, and I'm like, I look so much better. I'm four, I just turned 40 years old and I look so much better than this dude. Like what yeah. the frick? Yeah. I saw a picture of him last night and he's got like a, he's got like a 25 year old body and like a 50 year old man face. I'm like, something doesn't, <laughs> something doesn't look right here. Yeah. When he did that, whatever he did with Taryn, that Taryn adventure or some shit. Oh yeah. Taryn. She's fantastic. Her, he looked like, he looked like her father and he's only like 34 years old. I'm 31. <laughs> yes, yeah, so maybe that's it. Maybe he looks older than he is. But uh, it's his face. Yeah, his I mean, he, played, he had four straight. <laughs> He's seasons. got the face for it. <laughs> he had four straight seasons where he played forty plus games at ages twenty nine, thirty, thirty one, and thirty two, and one of those with the Flyers. And then he had the injury issues. You know that I think again. I don't. I don't think he's injury prone. I think from the age, maybe he'll start having more injuries because of his age, but like, I'm not concerned that he's like quote unquote injury prone. So I, I, th- I think that's exactly what it is. I'm more concerned that he has had the recent injuries at his age. If he was 24 and came off an injury, maybe I wouldn't be as concerned, but at his age, piling up these injuries is not a good thing. I don't know yes, but- piling up is the, is the right word. Though. I feel like it was yeah, yeah. one, one injury that they mishandled and now he's okay. 
I'm I'm gonna agree with my new Twitter nemesis and say <laughs> I thought we were back to being good now. Now we're, we're nemesis, good. nemesis again. <laughs> we're good. Um, I'm gonna say that based off of how he looked in the beginning of last season. So we talk about them rushing him back to get him into that Pittsburgh series, and I felt like he never really had time to rehab. So last year, again, he was injury ridden, but even when he played. And, and even the beginning of their season when he was playing, he never he didn't look comfortable. He didn't look like he was moving side to side as quick. He almost, you know, he really wasn't getting post to post. The the couple of times that we've seen him this year, he looks comfortable. And he, he doesn't look like he, he, he looks like he has his full range of motion back. And maybe he just really needed to rest up and fully heal um, because he does look better than he did last year. So maybe he won't be as injury prone because he's, you know, he's finally healed up now. But he's still going to be ugly and look like still he's really old. Ugly. How, let me ask you guys: how, how many games would you be comfortable with Brian Elliott actually playing this year? Thirty-five. Yeah, thirty-five to forty. Okay. Yeah, yeah it'd be more in the thirty right, to thirty-five so. range, Jim. Right. I'm not a math guy, though, so don't take me for it. <laughs> well, <laughs> you guys, neither am I. <laughs> I mean, what do you? What are your guys' opinions of of Carter Hart? Because I, you know, one of the things that that I've been saying is, you know, you look at I looked at a bunch of goalies who are 20 year old rookies and almost every single one of them. And this is including guys that are Hall of Fame guys like Brodeur and Carey Price will probably end up there. And Vasilevsky is very good. I think all those guys were like 20 year old rookies and every single one took a step back at 21. So like, what are you guys expecting this year? For Absolutely Hart? right. I, I love the position of goaltender. I've studied it uh, tremendously and pretty much everybody you name, you know, Flurry, Price, Vasilevsky, uh, Brodeur had one as well. You know, Jonathan Quick. Everybody took a step back. They came in as a rookie their first season, played well. Sophomore year, they slumped, didn't play very well. Even some of that carried over to their junior year and weren't able to rebound. I think Flurry had two or three years afterwards where he was kind of slow. But uh, I'm not in the long term, I'm not worried about it. In the short term, it's growing well, pains, I mean, and it's going to happen. It, I mean, it's yeah. it, it's going to happen. He's going to have to learn, and he's going to get played. I, I think, luckily, they do have Elliott, and as long as he stays healthy, they have the option to put him out there. But it's growing pains, and he's just going to have to work through it. I agree. I mean, we saw it with uh, Carey Price, actually. And I think we played against him. What was that 2008 series? How old was he? He had to be about 20, 21. Uh, let me check. We were literally taunting the shit out of him. And there was, like, questions if he could be the goalie. And then if you remember, again, in 2010, we even played Price. We played Halak. Yeah. You know, so it's going to be a, a process. But I think for the first time, Flyer fans are kind of he was okay, uh, 21 that was in that series. That's his rookie point? season. Yeah. That was his rookie season. Wow. Yeah. I've got to be honest. I think we're – and it's this is going to be maybe unpopular because, you know, I, I love Carter Hart. If I had to pick a favorite player, it would probably be Carter Hart. Like, he's like a little puppy right now, you know. You just love him. <laughs> you know, he's like untouched. He's still pure, blah, blah, he blah. looks like he's seven years old. Yeah, like he hasn't been affected by like the, by like the Philly bullshit yet or whatever. He's still green. But – you know, I just had this feeling, and I'm trying to brace myself that we might see a, a lot more games than like we saw in Edmonton and Dallas than you know we than we than we really want to see this year. And I'm not going to question if Carter Hart is the savior or not, even when those games happen. But I'm expecting to see a decent amount of those this year, enough to where we're going to be like, hmm, e what the hell is going on with I Carter Hart? You know what I mean? 
I agree, and I think we're all on the same page that we're going to see it, but I, I don't think most of Flyers' Twitter, which kind of, you know, I, I think a lot of Flyers' Twitter is ride or die with Carter Hart, and if he does not look great, I think people are going to turn on him mighty quick, but I'm not, again, I'm not personally concerned about him. I don't think so. I don't know. Really? Flyers' Twitter turns I've... on fucking everybody. They'll they'll turn on him sooner. <laughs> yeah. Give him a couple they bad starts. They turn on these young kids. Like, I'm telling you, they turn on Travis connecting like they turned on the coach for not playing him enough but like I think that they give these young kids like a fair amount of leeway most of the time I think yeah I, I, I'd agree there actually you know what actually I don't know if Carter Hart's gonna have that bad of a season just because you know, the sample size is small he had that great game against the oh, uh, fucking sample size don't even say those two words <laughs> he had that great game against the Devils and he and he played well in Prague against Chicago so I mean he had two bad ones. He'll probably call his, you know, his sports psychologist and figure it out. Do a little juggling, you know. Yeah, yeah, a little something, some, you know, mind control or whatnot. But he'll be. I, I don't think he's going to be that. I don't know if he's going to dip that low. Um, I just think but, he's going to regress a little bit. I think he's going to. He'll he'll have a you know decent season, but I don't think he's yeah, going to yeah. be like an all star like Flyers. So a lot of Flyers fans are kind of like we're hoping for this year. Yeah, no, right I'm very optimistic. So I didn't, I never really penciled him in for being like, you know, a top five goalie yet. That's gonna take some time, which kind of sucks. But two to three years away. Thank God we've got Brian Elliott this year. <laughs> Speaking of ugly, Misha Vorobiev got called up as well. How do we ugly? He's pretty fucking ugly. Have you seen most Russian men? Like you know who's they, ugly. You know who looks like a fucking jack-o'-lantern? David Riddich. David Riddich? Yeah. Yeah. Calgary goalie. You didn't see his post on Twitter with the jack-o'-lantern? The brotherly oh, puck oh. page. I was live tweeting and he looks like a jack-o'-lantern. It's on oh. there. Back from the Calgary game. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. That was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it was great in his first game. <laughs> uh. Vorobiev has been quite... I mean, I've, I've been at these Phantoms games, and he has had a quiet good start to his year, and he had a quite good game last night. And if he can keep that up, I mean, he's a welcome addition to the fourth line. His play his play where he set up Provorov for that goal was not quiet. I mean, he protected the puck in the corner, brought it out onto the sidewall, and then made an incredible cross-ice pass setting up a goal. Like, there was nothing quiet about that. I thought I thought he looked pretty good last or, uh, Monday night, whenever it was. Talked about these for plays. Me, bro, Go ahead. He's just, he's just vanilla, man. I, I really don't get anything from him. I understand he's a good hockey player. Um, I just, I don't know. He, I, for me, he kind of falls in that offense is not there enough to be a top nine player, and he doesn't fill in the bottom three role for me. I just, I don't get much from him. He doesn't get me excited. I, you know what I mean? He's not that sexy name that all those sexy names down there with the Phantoms and Vorobriev ends up getting called up. It's kind of like, you know, you want the frosts and you want the uh, the Rupstovs. Uh... That's the exact same thing we were just talking about with Carson Turinsky. Yeah. No, but I think Vorobiev's a fine fourth line center. That's like, I think I. that's what he's built to do. Like, he's good. He's very good defensively. He's not going to hurt you, like, in your own zone. Like, I I think he – you don't want, like, an exciting guy on the fourth line, right? Bobby, like, no, don't you want – don't you want – I didn't mean exciting in terms of – Scoring. I was talking about the physical aspect of the game, which no one likes anymore, apparently. I, I really like Dan over there. I like how he just, you know, puts a little jab in. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Why don't 
Don't you want someone exciting on the fourth? You don't want someone exciting oh, on the fourth. No, line. that's what I. No, but that's. I, I don't mean, know. Chris Stewart's right, pretty look, exciting. I understand. I, maybe you want to be throwing some big body checks, but like you can be physical without. Like Robert Haig, we call him physical. Like how many body checks can you think of that he throws? I don't know how he ends up with all these hits because they're just kind of like taps like on the on the wall like yeah Vorobiev is a physical player he's not he's like not I don't know we have a physical yeah, defenseman like, in the lineup right now he's a six foot seven 220 pound god but he's sitting on the bench so here's the I've got a question what is this <laughs> let's just say in the unlikely scenario that like all of our defensemen stay healthy how are they going to get Moran and Phil Myers at some point in the lineup or is what's is someone are they gonna have to wait until next year when Braun's contract is up like what 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 are they gonna do long term that does seem to be the only way I can figure it because I mean I'm talking about this year from there was a quote Olivio had after I believe it was the Edmonton game and I don't have it in front of me but he went through and he he talked about Shane Goss's bear and, and working through things so from what I got out of that, I think he's going to give Gostas Bear, Haig, Braun, Niskanen, what have you, every chance to prove themselves before he turns to Moran or even Myers at that point. So I don't know how much of those two, if we see Phil Myers at all, uh, let alone you know Moran, who's already up on the roster. I don't know if we see them, unless there's an injury, maybe once here and there. But other than that, I, I don't think they uh, have a future with the Flyers, at least this season. Could you well, imagine if Phil Myers stays in the AHL the entire season he's... after after Fletcher said he was going to guarantee him a roster spot in the, in the uh, defensive six? Like, I've been at these Phantoms games, and the two players by far that have been the best were Farabee and Myers, and Myers maybe more so than Farabee. And the only way Myers is going to learn how to shift his game towards the NHL level is to play in the NHL. And it's great that he's down there with the Phantoms and looking great and playing way over his, you know, he's so much better than everybody else there. But, you know, he does things that at the NHL, I've compared him to Evgeny Medvedev before, because I think he tries to do things that would work in other leagues that don't necessarily work in the NHL. And the only way to work through that is to get time in the NHL and adjust to the game. And it's not hurting Phil Myers to be down there, but it's not helping him long-term that he's down there either. So I, I, I genuinely, besides waiting till next year when Braun's contract is up and, and maybe they move on from Hagen, uh, I believe his contract was as well, I don't really see a way to change that at the moment. Yeah, I mean, this is another one of these training camp things that I don't agree with. Like, if... Like they basically wanted Phil. They Phil Myers had to come in and like wow them to make the team, even though he's, in my opinion, a better hockey player than Robert Haig. So Myers was kind of like uneven in in preseason. I still thought he showed more talent than than Haig. And they were like, okay, well Myers didn't really blow us away or earn it with his camp. So he were gonna send him back down, and Haig's gonna be in the lineup. And look, Haig's fine. Like we said. I think Myers is better, but now you're stuck in this position where, like, how do you how do you get this guy in the lineup? Because I don't think anyone could watch those two guys play hockey and be like, Haig's a better hockey player. So another thing I disagree with without how NHL teams handle the spring is that I'm giving the roster spot to, like, the, the better player. My opinion there, I think what hurt Myers is his contract. I think he's the only one of those three that still had a two-way contract. I would I would bet that if if he was on a one way he'd no doubt be in the the starting lineup, 
But I, I think, you know, given that they had, what do they have, eight defensemen? Yeah. I think it was kind of like, okay, well, we could still send him down and, you know, see who's going to stay out of Haig, Myers, and maybe even Gossespair. I don't know. I mean, I like, I honestly like to stay away from the Haig, uh, the, the hate that he gets on Twitter for nothing. Uh, it, it, with this guy, we've made him out to be like Matt Carl now. Like, everything is always Haig's fault for some reason. And I don't get it. Uh, he plays a sound game. He makes a. He gets the puck out. He plays hard in the corner. I have no problem with 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 Higgs game at all. Um, now, in terms of which defenseman I think could end up playing themselves out of the lineup, I think Braun. I think Braun has been absolutely terrible uh, from what I've seen from him. Absolutely terrible. Completely nothing that we thought that we would be end up getting, especially for a second and third. Um, if there's one guy to go eventually, it could be Braun. That's a good point, and, and no one's really talking about him. And, and I know that we don't look at uh, – and, Dan, I don't know if you have any numbers on Braun over there. Um, no, we no. don't look at plus-minus, but he's not the best plus-minus right he's now. He's the only person that has tripped his own goaltender <laughs> this year. <laughs> I think How he's slow like, is he? Like, yeah, he doesn't look oh great. Oh, my God. He's a minus if five right now. I get burned again like to the outside by someone, oh, my God. That's what I'm saying. Like he, I feel like he could be the end up being the odd man out, you know. Yeah, I just, I don't know. Do you really think that they're gonna? I, I, it's hard for me to to, to see it just because they brought him in and he's they're yeah. relying on him to be good in the room and help the young kids. Like I don't, I, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't see it either. I just don't think you know you're going out of your way to acquire Niskanen and Braun. I think those two. Maybe with the exception of Provorov, are you know almost guaranteed to be in the lineup on any basis. I don't think if anything happens, it's going to be those two. By the way, Niskanen looks great. Yes, he looks much better. He, he did not draw my eye in a positive way during preseason, but ever since the season came back, he's looked great. I think he had a hiccup. How about that one-timer? He looked like he'd been practicing with Ovechkin for the last <laughs> Yeah, he's yeah, like, two goals already. Oh, my God. Yeah, he looks, he looks great, Niskanen. I have, I have no problem with him on the back end right now. Deploying that uh, starfish defense the proper way and actually using that poke check properly rather than just throwing himself on the ice like the Andrew McDonald move. So. Is, is he Amax over in Switzerland that I see? I believe so, yes. Torturing some Swiss fans. <laughs> Poor guy. Andrew the best player McDonald. Let's see. Where is Andrew McDonald right now? I think I saw on Twitter that he signed something with SC Burn. What is wrong? Is In he married? Switzerland. That guy? Is yeah, he married? I think he has a couple kids. What are you yeah. doing? What are you doing? Take a million dollars, go home. Take a million go home. I mean, he has to. How many much? How much money has he made in his career? Like fifty million dollars, probably. He made thirty. What do you make? Thirty-six with us? Six by six? What do you make? Andrew, <laughs> yeah. People are gonna, for some reason, keep paying him to play hockey. I'm just, I'm gonna keep taking the See, money. See, he's too. gonna Shit. come back to America next season on a PTO, and he's gonna impress somebody, and he's gonna make the team, and then everybody's gonna hate him there too. He's gonna be Chris Stewart all over again. <laughs> you know what though i mean well, yeah he's still making five million dollars uh this is a lot he's making five million this year but i mean i bet you maybe his wife maybe she wants to go over and you know live in switzerland i mean it's probably not that bad career uh, Switch- switzerland's really nice over there estimated career earnings 28 and a half million dollars <laughs> for andrew mcdonald jesus i People mean i could be bad at hockey for 28 and a half million dollars too yep what the hell I do it for free. <laughs> and you got the same amount of goals as JVR this year. Oh yeah, actually, yeah. hey, fellas, I'm I'm 
tearing it up for the beginning of the fall men's league season. Just a little side note. I got about five and <laughs> three games right now, and I got about two apples, and I haven't even seen my own defensive end. So things are going great for me. Do you, you play at Skate Safe? Where do you play? No, no, no. I only play ice. Okay. I played at Skate Safe for all the years I was out there. Yep, I remember that place. So yeah. that's great. You have five goals, but what's your Corsi? <laughs> that's a good – that's a really good question. I, I whip around the rink yelling about Corsi the entire time to get everybody. <laughs> so, like, if my buddy dumps the puck and it ends up on net or something, I'm like, great Corsi, good Corsi, buddy. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Wow, so what else? What we got? Who are we playing next? Um, the Blackhawks. Yeah. Trying to find Jim. We got a bunch of back to backs coming up. It's going to get a little bit. Uh, 17 of this season. Yeah, there's a bunch coming up. We're kind of getting screwed over by the. They had a slow start. They played two games in the first, what, two weeks of the season. And I think they have like a nine day break at the end of February. Maybe it's at the end of January, too. I don't know why. I don't know what's going on then, but uh, quite a few long breaks forced them to do a whole ton of back to backs. So. What an awful schedule. What an awful schedule. Who's right? Who's like okaying this? I don't know. When Chicago came back from their trip to uh, Europe, they had an eight-game homestand. The Flyers had one what? game at home and immediately went to Western Canada. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Jesus. they got screwed there. Absolutely. Uh, uh, what are you guys thinking for tomorrow? Is it going to be a win? I don't know. <laughs> I can't. I don't know. I, I, it's so hard to predict them. They're 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 good. They're, they're like there's no there's never any consistency. I think I, mean, I think they'll win tomorrow night. Could be a little jet lag. <laughs> changing changing the time zone again one more time. <laughs> oh yeah, this is their second away game against Chicago, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, the yeah, well, yeah, the oh, first one was quote unquote home. That's fucking. That's bullshit. Yep. Even though they, I know as a yeah. season ticket holder, I'm freaking lost a game. Oh, that sucks. I would have been pissed about that too because you pro- did you pay did you pay for 41 games still? Yeah. Well, and the preseason bullshit. Oh yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, that, would, that would piss me off a little bit. Doesn't Comcast have enough money? So let me ask you: Do you get that ticket and have to sell it, or they don't even offer you the ticket? Which to the to the Prague game. Oh, no, they didn't even offer anything. That's interesting. <laughs> we should have all planned you a trip out there. The four there. Yeah. The four of us should have went as a big old family, and we could have argued the whole plane ride over there. <laughs> there you go. So I love arguing. It's like one of my top three things to do. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> <laughs> How's the three weeks of living with your, your girl been? It's actually been fantastic. I cannot it, – it, it's actually – there's been no problems. It's the first time I'm living with a girl. Uh, the only thing is I don't have any of the bathroom sink. Not mine. Not even a little bit mine. And it's not bad. I put up I put up a nice – I framed a Proveroff picture on top of my desk. I did the whole jersey thing, pinned the jersey into the shadow box, made a nice little place for myself. So it's, it hasn't been bad. Not, not, not too bad. Early returns on the sample size are pretty good. That's great because a lot of times the earliest, the early weeks can be some of the most difficult. So that's great. 
Well, we, you know what? Put it this way. We put Ikea furniture together two weeks ago. We watched the Flyer game. If you survive putting Ikea furniture together, I think you guys are going to be good for a long time. I know. I, I know. I, I even I even tweeted at Johan. I told him to come over and help out. But <laughs> yes, he, <laughs> By the way, that's like one of the best people on Twitter. Is Can we all agree on that? He's a really nice guy. Johan Gartner is one of the fucking coolest people you'll meet on, on the website. Just, yeah. just a great dude. He is. Uh, I mean, I'm certainly number one, but yeah, he can be number two. <laughs> you know what? If he, if not for all the Sam Moran tweets, I might put you up there, but it's just... <laughs> you just don't recognize greatness, Dan. That's what it is. That's I, why you don't like I, Sam Moran. That's why you don't like Chris Stewart. I you do like Sam Moran. <laughs> I, I absolutely like Sam Moran. He should have... The entire trajectory of his career would have changed if he'd made the team over Robert Haig like he should have freaking three, three years three ago. Seasons three, ago yep. I, I agree. That, that he... And you know what? I remember one of those last preseason games. I think it was against the Rangers or something. He had a goal too. And he, he went like top. Sh- he went top shelf. And the yeah. game, the game in the preseason against the Bruins, uh, when he went like went end to end and set up Wayne Simmons for a goal. Yeah. Like he he, he looked, made those plays, and I literally said to myself, I was like, oh, I guess Moore made the team. He looked great, and uh, Sanheim looked great, and then Dave Haxtell was like, well, Hague's the number one rookie we got. And look, I'm not, again, I'm not trying to denigrate Haig, but I don't think he was as good as Sanheim or Miranda at camp. Oh, now you're getting Dan on your side. Don't you guys miss Hackstall? Oh, yeah. No. I mean, sometimes, early this season, I sometimes it still feels like he's here. I, I miss Hackstall like I missed the root canal I had a month ago. <laughs> he's No one has pointed out the fact that the reason that Toronto's struggling to start the season, it obviously has to be him. I mean, well, it's just wait till after this show. Actually, you know what? I'll get on there right now and point that out. I mean, if it walks like a duck, it walks like a duck. It's the collection of dinosaurs they have behind that bench that are not equipped to handle a modern team like the Leafs. Yeah, I actually think I think he's I think he's got to go, Babcock. I can't wait till he gets fired and Hackstall replaces him. Oh, (laughs) dude, don't say that because the last time coach got fired and an assistant flyer former coach filled in we all remember this it's very recent yeah yeah that, that could i picked the leafs to win the cup this year if that happens fuck <laughs> somebody posted a picture of uh on twitter it was when you ever see the picture of connect me fuck, fucking with i forgot who was getting interviewed and he's like putting hangers on the guy's back and he's having a good fucking time you guys ever see that picture? Yeah. Well, in the picture, they, they kind of like blew up Hackstall's face. Like his reaction did not like it. Like you could just tell <laughs> he did not like connecting. I mean, you know, he only scratched him and put him on the fourth line for two years. So I could never tell. He looks great, by the way. He, he, he's he's the breakout this year, hopefully. That second line entirely of Lindblom, Couturier, and in, in connecting looks fantastic. Limblom looks Limblom. Your last player. year, Limblom, but he looks like a completely new player, like better, and this, he still had a good year last year. This is the Limblom I think everybody was kind of expecting. You know, he a yes. good two-way guy, but he can also contribute offensively. And if he can break out along with Konechny this year, man, that, that second power play unit has been one of the biggest differences for this team so yeah. far. Well, there's no Dale Weiss on it. That's why Weiss and Latera <sighs> out there. Could you only imagine if the top guys got it going just a little bit? They will, though. They will. 
I know. And, and, you know, they will. But I'm like, don't you got it? Don't the games matter now just as much as they are going to matter then? Yes, like, it does. And, and you know, they're going to lose all these games now. And come February, people say, and it's only five games, it's only 10 games, whatever. But come February, when they're 14 points out of a playoff spot and have a huge uphill battle to climb, everybody's going to be angry because they lost all these games in the beginning. Yeah, they're going to, you know, what we're going to be saying is oh, those guys had the slow start. If they didn't have the slow start, we'd be in the playoff race or whatever. Mm-hmm. The same old bullshit, you know? Yep. And it's all like, dude, comes, the season started now. All comes down to that 1 p.m. Sunday game or Saturday game against the Boston Bruins. Oh, God. Gonna... wonder when they do that this year. Let me take a look. Probably in March. Let's see. January, February, March. They play Boston March 10th. It's on a Tuesday, though. So. Oh. They play every single Saturday. Pretty much really? the season. One, two... They don't play February 29th or only, January 25th. Only two Saturdays. I don't think. Yeah, they only yeah January 25th two. and February 29th are the two Saturdays they don't play. Most of them are night games, too. Who the hell okayed that? Hmm. Oh, there's no afternoons? Shit. There's not a lot of afternoon most of, games. Yeah, most of them are night games. What the fuck's going on here? They got a big afternoon tilt with uh, the Flames, it looks like, uh, November 23rd. And then they got an even bigger tilt. Oh, I can't wait for this one. The the Jets are coming to town February 22nd. That's going to be a great one. They got our winger on their team. They got Patrick Lange. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know what? I, I package goes for him. That's uh, just me having fun. How's he, how's he doing this year? I haven't really followed Lange since all that, all those trade rumor stuff. Uh, I'm not. I'm not a hundred percent sure. I did see a highlight of him the other night. Just he has uh, three goals and nine points. Three goals. Yeah. Twelve points in eleven games. Yeah. That's you know that's not terrible. (laughs) I don't know what the uh, Jets are doing. Three goals more than JVR. You know what? You know That's that's just the one thing the Flyers still don't have. And like, a lot of people have combated it with shooting percentage and that type of thing. But there's no there's no stat for it. There's no stat for a guy that can come over the blue line and out of nowhere change the game because of that. He has that good of a release. We haven't had that guy. I'm sure there's, there's a stat somewhere. There's always a stat, even though it's all yeah. bullshit. And, yeah, and that's something that Travis Konechny has really shown a lot of. He is. Yes. Hopefully he can transition more into that player. Um, but again, like, we just don't. Like especially because we've seen this team go stagnant so many times in the past two, three, four seasons, where they don't even they don't score goals. And 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 a guy that can 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 have a like a game breaking shot like that, that could turn around a rut. You know what I mean? He puts puck in the net, boys get going on the bench. You know what I mean? Next thing you know, everybody's fired up. We don't have that player, and that and that's why you know I was a little upset with the draft choice instead of you know. And when we took York, instead of you know, Cole, what was it Colfield? Colfield, you know what I mean. And he's ripping it up right now. Oh, what a meltdown that day was when they didn't draft Caulfield. Yeah, everyone was the biggest Caulfield fan ever. <laughs> <laughs> well, you see, the YouTube highlight clips of him said that he was better than. They passed on him not once but twice. Yeah, yeah that's more than hearts. I was over uh, Jack's for the draft with some friends, and the second time that they passed up on him, you'd have thought somebody died in there. It was like, <laughs> what the hell just happened? I mean, I couldn't help but laugh, but 
it, it was it was pretty pretty dark in there. Yeah, he, I think they showed like a bar in Philadelphia, and it looked like when like LeBron took his talents to South Beach, like that. <laughs> <was the> <laughs> <laughs> well, especially because they're like, and the Flyers take from the U.S. National Development Team. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway. Uh, by yeah. the way, I think Cam York's really good. You know, but obviously, I think everyone was kind of hoping for Caulfield at that moment. So. Well, because I feel like this fan, this fan base kind of had a hunger for this explosive player. You know, and, and I feel like we haven't had that that player in a while. Now, Giroux is amazing. Giroux is, you know what I mean? Giroux can pass the puck between five guys' skates and it goes back door to somebody. But we kind of don't have that explosiveness anywhere in our, in our offensive game. For the exception of Konechny, Konechny has brought it a little bit. And you saw that with that goal against Boston two years ago where he just completely undressed Bergeron and everybody. And I feel like we're seeing more of that player than we did even last year. And he still put up respectable numbers for, what was he, a third-year pro last year? So I think I think we, he's going to have a big, big season. All right. Bueller? <laughs> <laughs> what else uh, we got? We got anything left? I don't. I like that we, uh... house. <laughs> That's what I got left for the evening. Uh, that makes two of us, God damn it. I, I And I'm headed to the rink, actually, where I am going to float in the neutral zone, play zero defense, and hopefully put a puck at you in and tell my girlfriend how good I am. Well, let us know how your Corsi ends up for the evening. <laughs> Corsi's always good. <laughs> but you know what, Dan? I, I respect you. I thank, I thank you for coming on. And uh, especially leading off of that whole thing, it's cool. Everything's good. Like I said, it's fucking Twitter. It's people writing things on the internet. So water under the bridge. Everything's great. So I just like again, thank you for yeah, coming. Yeah, hopefully I'll come up there. We can go to uh, you know one of the Italian. The one, th- the thing I really miss about Long Island. I live down in D.C. now. Is I, I just the Italian food. I miss it so much up there. The fucking pizza is unbelievable. Damn, oh, put a couple pounds on you. The pasta, the pizza. It's uh, New York. Everything. Long Island's like the best place in the U.S. for Italian food. Yeah. We're gonna put mozzarella on everything. Oh yeah! Hey, you guys want to meet in the middle? Just stop at my house. We can we could cook some cook some Italian food here. Sounds good Ooh. to me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just call mom over. We're set. Perfect. Nothing like mom sauce. Yeah, Philly's got good Italian food too. Oh yeah. Not bad, not bad. I'm gonna try to come out to a game this year. So if I come out to Philly this year, I'll I'll definitely let you you uh you boys know. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Right in the middle of both you guys. That'd be cool. Perfect. Well, Whoa. Jim, we played matchmaker tonight. We made a friendship. We did. That's good. Yo, That's what I, we repaired a friendship. Repaired That's what this a show's about. Go. Yeah, it's... <laughs> Dan's over here day. cursing. He never curses. And Bobby's over here, you know, making friends. You know? Yeah. We, this is like, this was, I didn't even have to pay for this therapy session. <laughs> it's a therapeutic <laughs> show. This is yeah, not the first time we great. heard that. We, you know we hear it quite a bit with our guests that come on. They go, man, that was a great show. It feels so therapeutic. I feel, feel amazing. It's better than yoga, I think. <laughs> a lot of rare things happen tonight. So if you listen to this, go out to your local convenience store, play your numbers, play them straight. <laughs> Don't mix them up tonight. Play them straight. I always want to, I don't know about you, Dan, but I always need to like bang after the show. I feel like I'm fired up. I'm what? You know, horned up. What? I need to, what? Yeah. <laughs> No, I'm just being honest here, guys. I thought I've that's never... what we were th- All night long, we're being honest, and now now it's like, oh, it's ridiculed. 
I, I've, oh, never, I mean, I've never got done with one of my shows and gone, God, I gotta fuck somebody. I'm, that's how I feel when, I, when we're done. I'm like, huh. all right. Yeah. Oh, man. I was gonna You've recommend never... my mom listen to this show. She always <laughs> listens to my other shows, but now I gotta tell her to, like, well, mute out the last five minutes. Yeah, just, just, just the last just part. Just mute out the one hour and 14 minute mark. <laughs> yeah, right. Five minutes? You're giving this guy five minutes? I give him 35 seconds. <laughs> Surprised you guys haven't felt like that. I'm really, I'm really surprised. Oh, just, just think about baseball, bud. <laughs> <laughs> All right, boys. Uh, Jim, where can people find you on Twitter? Uh, let me see. I just changed my name. Oh, at Angry Jim HW. You can follow the High and Wide podcast uh, at HW underscore Radio underscore. Bobby. You can find me at B-E-E-T-E-E-1-5. I'm usually in the right opinion section of Twitter, so uh, <laughs> just head over there and you'll find me. Dan? You can find me at DSilver88, the 88 for Eric Lindros. Oh, I should change it to 55 for the greatest defenseman of all time, Sam Marino. <laughs> And you can find me at Dan the Flyer Fan, at Brotherly Puck, at Brotherly underscore pod, at National Puck, and at National Pod Net. Check out last night's show with Mike Aceto and uh, last Sunday's show with uh, Anthony DeMarco. I'll be back on Sunday with Anthony again. Next week's show, I don't know what's going on next week. Jim and I will be back at some point uh, and probably some other episode as well. So uh, until next week, everybody, goodbye and good night.